to the government. Do you think foreign companies will go the same way and do the same? Uh, well, they'll certainly fight having to give away 100% of their China profits, but it's inevitable that they're going to have to participate in some fashion in, in, in uh, related initiatives. And, uh, you know, they do this kind of stuff all over the world anyway. It's normally, you know, labeled something else like, you know, corporate social responsibility. Mm. But uh, <laughs> they're going to have to play along if they want to get along in China. Okay, Ross, thank you very much for that. That's Ross Feingold, who's Business Development Director at SafePro Group. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. In the markets right now, the ASX 200 is down about a quarter of a percent. The Nikkei 225 in Japan up 0.1%. The Cosby in South Korea in the other direction down 0.1%. But it does look like a good open for the Hang Seng, maybe adding about 70 or 80 points uh, to the index when trading gets going this morning. In the commodities markets, Brent crude oil is slipping. Uh, it's down about half a percent at the moment at $71.18 a barrel. Gold is up a little bit. It's at $1,815 an ounce. Just want to tell you about tomorrow's program. I'll be joined by Hong Kong's Secretary for Commerce and Economic Development, Edward Yao. He'll be with us for the whole show, starting from shortly after the 8 o'clock news. So do please join me for that. And do please stay tuned to Radio 3 right now for Back Chat with Hugh Chiverton and Jim Gould. That's coming up after the news. The weather forecast, hot with sunny periods and a few showers. The maximum temperature is going to be about 32 degrees. And it's going to be very hot tomorrow, apart from isolated showers. More showers during the weekend. The temperature right now out at the observatory is 29 degrees. And it's 84% relative humidity. It's coming up to 8.32. Here's Barry O'Rourke with the half-hour news. Despite the difficulties faced by some elderly people in applying for the government's electronic consumption vouchers, DAB lawmaker Holden Chow says he believes it was still the best method to distribute the money and help the local economy. Yesterday, more than 100 senior citizens gathered at a government office in Mong Kok to vent their anger after realising they didn't receive the first instalment of the $5,000 handout, but it was because they'd filled out the forms incorrectly. They've been given another two weeks to finish their submissions. Mr Chow said the government should have offered more support to help the elderly apply for the vouchers. Generally speaking, this is a good and modern way uh, to distribute the money and also it would be uh, conducive to boosting the economy. But I think the government should really look after the very fact that the elderly don't know or don't have a clue in how to make use of the technology. President Biden has called the new law greatly restricting abortions in the state of Texas a blatant violation of constitutional rights. His fellow Democrat, the U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, condemned the Supreme Court for declining to put the new law on hold, describing it as a catastrophe for Texan women. The law, based uh, passed in May by Texas Republicans but coming into force today, bans abortions in Texas if a fetal heartbeat can be detected. The mayor of New York, Bill de Blasio, said the decision could not go unchallenged. This is going to require a national mobilization to fight against this because we can tell right now through this action where the Supreme Court wants to go and it's profoundly unacceptable. What this court has done and the Supreme Court's inaction in every way appears to be unconstitutional because Roe v. Wade has clearly been the law of the land. Afghans are facing increasing economic hardship with prices of essential goods soaring, the value of the currency falling and little immediate prospect of the Taliban gaining access to the country's foreign currency reserves held abroad. Many public services are close to collapse. 
The United Nations Deputy Special Representative for Afghanistan, Ramiz Alakbarov, said there was a shortfall in funding to provide aid to those most in need. We remain here in solidarity with those who need our assistance. Unfortunately, levels of funding provided to the United Nations to respond uh, to those needs uh, have not been commensurate. We will be issuing a flash appeal in the course of the next 10 days, outlining our needs. The contributions for United Nations to respond to the humanitarian crisis have not exceeded $400 million this year against the ask of $1.3 billion. The Islamic group say that problems will ease once a new government is in place, which could happen within the next few days. A Taliban spokesman told the BBC it would be inclusive and women would still have a role. More news on the hour from RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Back Chat. I'm Hugh Chiverton, your co-host today is Jim Gould. Jim, good morning to you. Good morning. Today, overseas doctors and barristers and their wigs. The government unveiled plans on Tuesday that would allow non-permanent residents to work as specialists in Hong Kong. Under the proposal, non-locally trained non-permanent residents would be able to work in public hospitals under a special registration scheme, which authorities say will ensure the quality of non-locally trained doctors. The amendment to the medical registration ordinance aims to alleviate the shortage of doctors in the city. It's foreseen that by 2030 there will be a shortfall of some 3,244 medical personnel. But some doctors have raised concerns over the makeup of the government-appointed special registration committee and the standards of overseas graduates. What do you think of the measures? Is this the right way to relieve a doctor shortage? Let us know your thoughts. You can either message on our Facebook page, Bankchat and RTHK Radio 3. You can email us, bankchat at rthk.hk, or you can call us, and our number is 233-88266, After 9.15, we're going to be talking about uh, barristers, as they were, will be allowed to take their signature wigs off for religious reasons. We'll be talking about the man who made the change, or sorry, with the man uh, who made that change. Once again, our email address is backchat.rthk.hk. Joining us for our first discussion uh, now, uh, we have with us uh, Dr. David Fang, former president of the Medical Association, and Dr. Arasina Ma, council member of the Hong Kong Public Doctors Association. Uh, Dr. Fang, uh, good morning to you. Perhaps if, if we could start with you. Uh, yeah, would, would you just like to outline your concerns about these, uh, th these measures, first of all? Oh, well, uh, the scheme ultimately attracts doctors to work in the private sector where there is no shortage. Mm. Uh, no matter what you say, I think these predictions that there will be a shortage both in the public sector and the private sector, they are, I don't know how uh, they came up. They're not based on fact, because many private practitioners, especially the general um, practitioners and even the pediatricians, they are now staring at their empty clinics because during COVID, um, no one visits them. You know, they're all scared to go there, and there is no more uh, common cold. So the children, they, do, they don't get infected anymore. So... Um, they're finding it very difficult to make ends meet and uh, to be completely insensitive to their plight now. Uh, I simply can't understand why. On the public side, you have a shortage of doctors, all right, but you also have a great shortage of resources like facilities, MRIs, scanners, nurses, supporting staff, uh, even office facilities. So the existing 
manpower is not being adequately utilized or properly utilized. So deal with that first and stem the tide of doctors who are trying to get out of the hospital authority, going wherever they go, overseas nowadays. Uh, and how do you deal with that? I think uh, uh, improve the training for the opportunities, uh, the uh, uh, promotion opportunities, and the working conditions there. And lots of people would like to stay. Uh, the mm. private side is not that rosy. Mm. But, um, I mean... If these medical professionals are recruited from overseas, I mean, they will have to spend a certain amount of time in the public sector, will they not, before they could uh, transfer to the private sector? Yes, well, that's always been the case, you know. Ever since 1997, we've had medical registration under a limited scheme where lots of people come in to work in the public sector. Gabriel Leung is under that scheme, the dean of our medical school in Hong Kong, U. So, but uh, hospital authority has not successfully attracted these doctors. The majority, more than 100, are working in the two universities, two medical schools. And only a few, a handful, are working in the hospital authority and the Department of Health. So the system does not attract people to come here to work. Uh, I, we're talking about two things here. Um, uh, attracting people to come in and stopping professionals, yeah, or, or, or not, 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 not stopping, stopping uh, but, 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 but re from re leaving. Yeah, that is the first thing that you must so, do. So, but, uh, and certainly reducing the standard mm. or setting up a separate standard is not the way to go. Mm. Um, I mean, when people talk about a brain drain, um, you mentioned uh, doctors going overseas. Um, is that the case more than, uh, than public doctors going to the private sector? I should think so, yes. Yeah. And, 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 and why? Do you know why? Why? why, why well, uh, firstly, they want their children to be educated abroad nowadays. Uh, they don't like the system change in Hong Kong, number one. And uh, number two, the, uh, the status of doctors uh, in Hong Kong uh, has been demoted. We are now beneath the Chinese medicine practitioners. As you can see, we had 30 electoral seats in the election committee, and these have been removed, whereas the Chinese medicine practitioners have retained their 30 seats. So this is discriminatory, and when our, our public status falls below in this discriminatory system, uh, you know, people don't like it. They say that, uh, you know, the, uh, the government um, does not pay sufficient attention or respect to the professions including the medical profession. Just, just going back to the, to the regulations then, um, yeah, so, so uh, under the, uh, the original proposal, uh, that would allow uh, people, uh, permanent residents, uh, f who have been trained overseas to, to practice uh, in Hong Kong without taking an exam. Is that right? As long as they qualified from a, from a, a medical school that was on yes, the, the approved list. Yes, indeed, and I uh, that. Okay, okay. Uh, and, then, and then how long would they have to work in the public sector before they could uh, move out? About five years. About five years. Some okay. would not have been trained at all, and okay. so they would require training under the Academy of Medicine here, working in the hospital authority. 
Some are already trained and they can work directly as specialists so long as they are accredited by the academy. And after five years, they can then get fully registered and leave the hospital authority. Okay. And under these new regulations, uh, allowing specialists to practice uh, in Hong Kong, uh, non-permanent resident uh, specialists to practice, uh, again, is there a similar uh, compulsory period where they have to work for at least five years in the public sector? Yes, I think so. I think so. Right. Um, I, I, I would say that... So, sorry, you... I'm sorry, you... So why did you support that, but you don't support this? Well, I thought, you know, being Hong Kong citizens, and there are only a few of them, why don't we facilitate them to come back to to work, either in the public or the private sector, right? They're Hong Kong permanent residents anyway, right? Uh, But uh, the rest of us were highly suspicious that the door would be opened, and they asked me not to trust the government. This is not sour grapes because you, I mean, you, some people might say you sound like you're a bit put out, basically, generally, by the attitude of the, of the government. And that, well, uh, I'm very put out and because that, they promised that this would be limited to Hong Kong permanent residents and now they've opened the door as the rest of the, us suspected. Um, um, Dr. Arasina Ma, good morning to you. So, um, do you agree with uh, what uh, Dr. Fang is saying there? Would you prefer that it was uh, the scheme was still limited to Hong Kong permanent residents? Um, personally, I, I I don't mind working. I don't mind we import uh, either uh, Hong Kong resident or non Hong Kong resident um, in the condition that they are qualified, uh, they got the um, appropriate uh, characters or quality or ability to work in Hong Kong. When the first, um, you know, under the new regulations, uh, they no longer able, uh, need to take any exam. Um, the previous license exam, they got part of it is the language requirement. But um, the government said, oh, we don't, they don't need to take the exam or any language requirement, uh, requirement because they are all Hong Kong permanent residents. Um, quite likely, they know Hong Kong well, they, ha- they know the culture well, they know a bit the language, so don't worry about it. Okay, nowadays, but today, uh, Tuesday, the government said, okay, it can be non-Hong Kong residents. So we go back to the point, how about the language requirement? I know that many countries have the problem of doctor shortage. They have a more loose uh, regulation to let uh, doctors, uh, overseas trained doctors work in their countries. But at least, like countries in UK, they need an English examination or some language requirement. Um, But now, with those uh, non-Hong Kong uh, residents, they can come to Hong Kong without any language requirement. they may be English-speaking, something from English-speaking country. They may come from non-English-speaking country. So it will be a problem. So uh, when you say language requirement, do you mean English and Cantonese for working I in Hong think, Kong? I um, think how to say English is must because in the uh, in the hospital or in most of the uh, medical sectors, uh, we document and communicate in English. So first of all, English is a, a very important requirement. Of course, for someone who uh, work uh, in the front line, have direct patient care, we also hope that they can uh, know some Chinese and some Cantonese. Mm-hmm. But there are there are specialists, uh, as you know, working in in our hospitals that don't speak uh, Cantonese, that are only English speaking. Um, 
in the public uh, yes, sector? Yes, for um, in the old days, uh, for some specialists, for example, they're working in some specialties, uh, direct patient cares uh, or uh, direct patient well, contact. But there still are. There are still there are still uh, doctors uh, in the public sector who are English only English speaking. Um, yes, in. Um, only for very limited numbers of doctors, for example, mm. some of the radiologists or anesthetists, but for most of the um, patient care, like surgeon or um, uh, like physician, most of them nowadays they, they can speak Cantonese or even their mother tongue is not Cantonese, they can sit, speak simple Cantonese. Uh, but, but also, I mean, for specialists, uh, would specialists be on this kind of the front line or would they be, uh, you know, um, they wouldn't have to interact necessarily with ordinary people that much in, in Hong Kong. They might be... Oh, definitely, this is not the case. Uh, in Hong Kong, I myself is a specialist. Most of the specialists, even you said that you are uh, working in the uh, administration or hospital management, you need to share some of the frontline clinical duties. And it is because we are uh, 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 lacking of frontline physicians. That's why the government said that they need to import more specialists. You won't import some specialists who can't communicate with patients and just put them in the office, um, let them do the administrative work. That's not what we need. Okay. Do, do you accept that there is a shortage of doctors in the private sector? Uh, sorry, the public sector. Um, how to say? I must say that uh, there is uh, some shortage of uh, doctors in the public sector. Uh, Specialist is one of the uh, area, um, but besides doctors, there are other, also other, uh, shortage of resources in other area. But um, personally, then uh, there is another question I would like: whether this a uh, new uh, uh, regulation or the new uh, the, what they uh, release on Tuesday will able to import more uh, specialists, especially what they uh, predict, specialists from a Western-trained country uh, uh, to come Hong Kong. Personally, I, I really doubt about it. Um, um, you know that even um, you, 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 uh, you don't, I don't really think that any uh, doctors trained in Western country are really uh, interested uh, in, to come Hong Kong, especially if they are uh, very exper well-experienced specialists who have established their uh, professional or established a career in Western countries for years. Because nowadays, Hong the, uh, the, the, the environment in Hong Kong society is not uh, really favored for expats to come to and their family to live here. Oh, you pay enough, they'll come, yeah, surely. Yeah, you yes. just give them give them more money. Aristina Ma, just give them um, more money. But how to say, um, just like nowadays in Hong Kong, doctors in Hong Kong, um, they are actually they are able to make more money in Hong Kong rather than in UK or even in Canada, but they still choose to leave. Because we, you just don't live for money. You all just, just live for your quality oh. of life, just mm. safety, and also freedom. So, um, especially, um, there may be some um, some doctors uh, who are in somewhere uh, their quality of life is much lower than Hong Kong will willing to come. But I really doubt they have the um, uh, specialist qualification that uh, which we accepted. Okay, I mean, you're talking yes, about... Yes, I agree entirely yeah. with mm -hmm. Narasena. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Okay, uh, but, but, if, but, if, uh, but if doctors are leaving... Um, because they want their children to be educated overseas, or you know they, they don't like the you know the current uh, political climate or whatever, doesn't that increase the necessity to bring replacements in from outside? 
Um, how do you say? I think uh, I must say that um, we observe uh, a, a small numbers of increase of doctors leaving the public sectors for various reasons in recent months. Uh, first of all, uh, you're right, because more and more doctors want their children get overseas trained uh, uh, education. Uh, so they hope to make uh, maybe go to the private sector so to, to have, have more income. A very small number of them would prefer to uh, 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 move to other country because uh, they, the whole family want to live in other country. But the number is not that big compared with uh, nurses or other allied health uh, uh, professionals. So it's a small number. It's not a brain yes. drain. Um, no, I think um, I think the government should not blame the doctors uh, because you you leave the hospital authority or because you leave Hong Kong. That's why I need to import more um, doctors. We questioned about their quality. Um, how to say? I think even this act, um, they also make more doctors leave the public sector because as you uh, read from the uh, new regulations, all those new coming doctors, they will be placed in the public sector, placed in the public hospital. So we all worry that it may make our life very difficult. We need to work with uh, very junior doctors or doctors with very different uh, background, uh, maybe language background or training background. So for someone like us who are maybe the middle, uh, middle, uh, middle level or the senior in the public sector, we find that maybe it is very difficult for us to coach some of the new colleagues. So this is one of the reasons why some of the middle level doctors or specialists would like to leave the public hospital and go to the public sector. So, so is it because they can ensure that their working environment is safe and they need, don't need to share the responsibilities for all those new coming doctors? Uh, is, is as you know, Ms. Ma, uh, Dr. Ma, I mean, a lot of people will say uh, that, um, you know, doctors in, in Hong Kong have had a closed shop for too long. They've been too protective. We've got a real shortage of uh, staff in Hong Kong, which is getting uh, even worse uh, with, uh, with, with doctors leaving. And this is, this is a uh, very moderate, really, measure to uh, allow highly qualified doctors from the top medical schools uh, in the world um, to practice, to encourage them to, to practice in Hong Kong. Uh, and and um, it's about time that the doctors um, faced a little bit of uh, competition and faced up to the real world. Especially as what you say from the top medical school from different parts of the world to work here, we will be well, we, we, we are welcome to that. But the fact is that um, are they, um, uh, uh, um, actually we have the, we have the, uh, uh, the way to let them work in the hospital. You can work in the limited registration. And, and, but, um, also in the past, they do, if they don't want to be limited their practice in Hong Kong, they can pass the licensing exam and also, uh, 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 uh get full registration in Hong Kong. Be honest, um, we find that in recent 10 to 20 years, there are some doctors return from overseas countries, but most of them are Hong Kong residents. Uh, so at the beginning, even the doctors want this new regulation. We have uh, some concern about it, uh, but we don't have big objection about it. Uh, but now with the new amendment, uh, it is open to a non-Hong Kong specialist. We really concern about the language problem, and we also think that um, I don't think um, there will be many, many um, uh, foreign um, Western country trained specialists who are not Hong Kong residents would like to come to Hong Kong. And this is the this, this is 
since the beginning, the government tried to import doctors from uh, non Hong Kong specialists, uh, non Hong Kong resident doctors. Sorry, just and for just most of just the one. Hong Kong people concerned is doctors from mainland China. Yeah, I was going to say doctors from mainland China. What if they only speak Putonghua? Is that acceptable in a language? Uh, as a language requirement in Hong Kong? I think um, how to say, um, I, I, I personally, I don't doubt the, um, the, the, the professional level or the, uh, the, the, the standard of doctors in mainland China, but I just want to say that we are trained from a very different culture. The medical school is, uh, the, the system of the arrangement of medical education is completely different. The medical system is completely different. Uh, our, uh, our understandings about medical ethics and doctor-patient relationships are completely different. So uh, when we say uh, import, uh, let, allow doctors from trained in mainland China to come, it must be very sensitive. But they could and learn, they can learn those things, can't they? Yes, that's why in the past uh, we got the licensing exam and make sure that they got the qualification, they got the language we need and also the uh, medical knowledge we need and then they come and also they are they 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 are they they are they are uh, uh, request to do the internship but nowadays with the new uh, regulation they don't even need to do the internship in hong kong internship is a very important period because you are work under a high supervision but if Hello. with the new regulation they go straight to all right the well just sorry sorry what about the language requirement is if they only speak put on is that acceptable or not for you in, in just in terms of language um you mean the mainland china who yes. has come in the past um, how to say, first of all, in the license exam, they are, uh, they are tested with uh, English. So basically, the written um, English is acceptable most of the, most, for most of the candidates. Okay. For oral English, uh, the standard is a bit variable. For Cantonese, it also depends on which parts of mainland they are coming from. Right. Uh, yeah, doc Dr. Fang, uh, are doctors just being selfish? Many have criticized the medical profession for setting an unreasonably harsh licentiate examination to keep out non-local graduates. First of all, I must say, the way has been completely open in the past for people graduating from high-quality medical schools to come here to practice in the public system where there is a shortage of doctors, as you rightly say. But few have come, and those that have come have been snapped up by the two universities, whereas the hospital authority found the applicants not suitable. Uh, so, uh, and uh, furthermore, if you listen to what the Medical Licentiate Society of Hong Kong has to say, they are saying that the examination is a fair standard to ensure a safe, sta uh, safe uh, standard of medical practice for all in Hong Kong. And some of them have passed the examination. Some of them are still taking the examination. And they all find it a very fair system. Just listen to what they have to say, right? And once again, the way has always been open for overseas medical graduates to come here to practice in the public system so long as they can find a job here. So if there are job vacancies and they are willing to come, they can come right now. And, and how do the standards of the uh, Hong Kong medical exam compare with those uh, from overseas? They compare very favorably. So you have to listen to what those who have passed or have yet to pass examination have to say. This is a fair system. We have not set an 
unusually high standard to keep out those that have not graduated locally. This is an unfair criticism which is groundless. A comment on Facebook from Henry, who says, As a layman not conversant with the complexity of the medical profession, I believe public benefit must be the top priority. Rome is not to be built in one day, and it may take several rounds to find a good solution. I agree the government's proposal should go ahead and see the result then. Elderly population is increasing, the doctor shortages have been existing for several decades, and I wonder why all these heads of medical authorities, senior managers, could not find a solution all these years. Why is the increase in medical graduates so slow? Why is there always a shortage of hospitals when billions are in our reserve? Do those CEOs, managers have any problem solving skills, or is it they have no big vision? Why can't they have a long-term solution to this long-term problem? Beijing officials have called for solving the difficulty in getting medical care, together with housing difficulty, by 2047. Time to do real work and not talk too much and do too little. That comes uh, from Henry. Aracena Mark, why can't we just fix this problem? Um, I would say I, I, I share the same thoughts with Henry that what, what, why the problem, why the, 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 uh, the head of uh, hospital authority or the head of the health, uh, health, uh, healthcare bureau can't solve the problem for years. Just like doctors like us working in the public hospital nowadays, we are still fighting with the enough hospital bed, enough um, uh, uh, imaging facilities, even enough consultation rooms in order for us to work better for the, our patients. So we are struggling. Uh, we are struggling very hard. And actually, we are not trying to be uh, uh, conservative, try to stop doctors to coming into the hospital to help us. But we just think that um, these new regulations are not solving the problems and even make our working environments become more and more complicated. Okay, well, uh, we're going to uh, take a break now for the news at nine o'clock and say goodbye to uh, Dr. Arasina Ma, council member of the Hong Kong Public Doctors Association. Dr. Fang will, will stay with us. We're also going to be joined by the chairman of Hong Kong Patients' Voices. Later, we're going to be looking at the question of uh, barristers uh, and their wigs uh, in Hong Kong. Uh, one barrister has uh, successfully uh, proposed that uh, uh, the wigs won't be necessary if uh, you want to wear a different kind of headgear for religious reasons. Uh, we'll be talking about that, and I think about the question of uh, wigs uh, in court uh, later in the programme. Of course, as ever, we want to hear from you. Call us on 233-88266, email backchat at rthk.hk. We'll do our best to read out your emails. The weather now before the news at 9 o'clock. Hot with sunny periods and a few showers forecast. Temperatures up to about 32 degrees, a couple of degrees higher in the new territories. Moderate easterly winds, the outlook very hot tomorrow, apart from some isolated showers. More showers during the weekend, 29 Celsius now. Relative humidity is at 82%. Welcome back. Back chat this Thursday morning with Jim Gould and me, Hugh Chiverton. We're talking now about uh, uh, overseas doctors uh, uh, practising in Hong Kong, amending uh, proposed changes to the uh, regulation of uh, doctors here under the Medical Registration uh, Ordinance. And later we're going to be talking about barristers and their wigs, other professional uh, changes. This is with the suggestion that uh, uh, barristers uh, who don't want to wear their wigs uh, in court uh, for religious reasons uh, don't have to do so. I don't know whether that applies to uh, judges as well. We'll be hearing about from the uh, barrister who's uh, pushing this forward. Anyway, later in the programme, your thoughts are welcome. Bankchat at rthk.hk uh, or you can call us on 233 um, Joining us uh, still with us is Dr David Fang, former president of the Medical Association. We're also joined now by Alex Lam, who's the chairman of Hong Kong Patients' Voices. Okay, a few comments 
uh, from uh, ah patience. Um, let's see. Leon says uh, in an email, a large number of Hong Kong's medical professionals, doctors, nurses, etc., have still not been vaccinated. At last count, I recall that only around 50% of nurses have been double jabbed. That's totally unacceptable. So I have little, if any, sympathy for the local medical professionals who are protesting against the government's proposals to allow non-permanent residents to work as specialists. Uh, S says, in some Asian countries, it's very well known that if a person is very well connected, then his or her child, despite the child's poor academic ability, can easily get into medical school. These children also manage to get a degree. So how do we screen doctors without examinations? That's uh, from uh, S. Johnny says, the Hong Kong medical profession has enjoyed a prolonged period of self-protectionism to exclude overseas peers who are equally, or in many cases, far more skilled in the area of specialised than they are. Your invited Dr. Speaker, Dr. Fang, was just a typical case of sour grapes and unwilling to let go of the mafia-like circle they enjoyed for many years by excluding overseas practitioners. Requiring specialists to have a certain language, a level of language ability in English and or Putonwa is a reasonable ask, though. We need to allow more overseas doctors to come and work in Hong Kong to reduce the backlog faced by many of the patients. Many of them have to wait for a year or more for their operations in public hospitals or face the prospect of selling their assets reserved for retirement to pay for the huge bills of private hospitals. It's time to think of the greater good for Hong Kong and crush the greed of the small circle of doctors still trying to protect their overflowing rice bowls. That's from uh, Johnny. Thanks very much indeed for that. One more comment from Mike. Um, Yes, that Mike, uh, who says, My son, uh, born, raised, and went to Chinese school. Uh, language, no problem. Uh, written Chinese, not acceptable. Uh, after completing his medical degree and his four-year speciality degree, he checked out what it would take for him to practice in Hong Kong. Basically, he would have to be under doctors that had less education and less experience than he had. Uh, what not interested, it would be very difficult to get experienced doctors to take a downgrade in pay and be subservient to the lesser educated. That's from Mike. Thanks very much indeed. OK, um, Alex Lam, good morning to you. Good morning. Okay, uh, Alex Lam, Chairman of uh, Hong Kong Patients Voices. Uh, so uh, where do you stand on these amended proposals? I mean, do you think they uh, could help to alleviate the doctor shortage? Well, first of all, we, we welcome uh, overseas or mainland doctors uh, working in Hong Kong if they uh, at a certain um, quality level. But I, I'm skeptical about the new plan. As I, I think it is uh, insufficient to attract quality doctors. We, we're talking about specialists to come and work in Hong Kong for years before uh, they can obtain the full registration and go private. Uh, because uh, talking about specialists, um, they must have received... Um, years and years, or at least 10 years, of uh, training um, uh, assessment and, uh, before obtaining the qualification. So we, we asked them to, to give up their practice in their own country and uh, pick up everything to, to come to Hong Kong and work here for years. We're talking about at least five years before you can get a full registration. I doubt if it's uh, sufficient enough to, to um, you know, change the practice uh, is, coming to Hong Kong. Is, is, it, uh, is it desirable to attract uh, those specialists from overseas? And if these proposals aren't good enough, um, what do we need to do to persuade them to move here? Well, um, we, it is difficult because uh, well, talking about you, you have your, your, your salary package. Uh, I think that's the, uh, one of the, 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 the features that uh, you attract them. Uh, the other thing is the full registration 
for uh, you know if if after working in the hospital for five years you, you get get the full restoration. If you go private, you may earn a lot of money more than the uh, you earn in your country, but um, still insufficient enough for, to attract the quality uh, doctors. I mean, the, they have a, a good standing in the country, uh, sufficient experience. Uh, that's that's the, the doctors we need in Hong Kong. Um, so um, language barrier is the, uh, the other problem under the scheme because we're talking about overseas doctors. They, they come from mainland, they come from overseas. They didn't speak Cantonese. So um, I think those listening to this program will find no problem when consulting doctor in Hong Kong because all doctors speak English in Hong Kong. But when the majority of Hong Kong people speak Cantonese, then the, how do they communicate with uh, the doctors? What, what, because in, in yeah. a couple of hospitals, we, we need the doctors in a special um, operation clinic. Just, just, the, the, just on, the, on the question of language, what about Putonhua? Yeah. If they, if they, if they uh, spoke uh, just Putonhua, would that be acceptable? Would, you, would they be able to practice in Hong Kong, do you think? Well, um, medical terms in, in China would be quite different, <laughs> quite different from, from Hong Kong. So uh, even if Hong Kong people speak uh, Mandarin, they still need to um, speak the, um, the medical term in mainland China. So that would be a, a variant uh, that uh, we have to make sure that uh, there's no problem, no uh, breakdown of communication between the two when the, uh, the consultation is conducted. Um, Dr. Fang, um, could I ask you about the financial rewards? Um, so, uh, of course, Hong Kong is a, a very low tax uh, regime, um, ma maximum 15% salaries tax. I mean, doctors working in the UK, for instance, uh, would be expecting that uh, at least 50% of their uh, salary would go in income tax and national insurance, which they have there. Um, um, how would you compare the, uh, the rewards here with uh, places overseas? Yes, that would be an attraction. Money is an attraction. But it's not just money. It's quality of life. It's education for your kids. It's housing. Uh, you know, people just don't go for money alone. Right. especially if they are qualified specialists coming from uh, the top medical schools. Why should they come here? The door has been wide open to these people all these years, and they have not come. So why should they come now? So you're saying this won't... You're agreeing with Dr... Uh, sorry, with Alex Lam that this, this just will be ineffective, actually. Yes, it won't, it's not enough agree. to attract people. I do agree. Then how do you attract people? Well, you know... Uh, like to stay where, in addition to a good income, you can have all these other qualities which are being diminished in Hong Kong right now. Uh, su such as? Such as the cost of housing is sky high. Mm -hmm. The quality of education is not desirable. And the conditions of practice in the hospital authority mm -hmm. are also less than yeah, uh, probably uh, many you know doctors coming from overseas would probably be looking to uh, get their children into international schools, which uh, um, 
do offer uh, um, pretty good education, but of course it, it's expensive. You have to pay a lot for it. Yes, mm. you know, it'll be a large slice of your income. They know about this. Mm. All right, here's, here's an email from Jonathan. Perhaps, Dr. Fang, you could respond to this. Jonathan says, I'm all for destroying the doctor monopoly. It's unreal to suggest that there is already a scheme for foreign doctors to come in. Yes, but to my understanding... Yes, I heard that. Okay, I, this, is a, this is another one. Yes, <laughs> but, I heard that. Uh, let me finish. Uh, but to my understanding, there is no permanence to their role and they don't become Hong Kong doctors. Meanwhile, I have a friend who trained and worked in the UK but, but failed the licentiate exam a few times. It's a silly and bureaucratic protectionist exercise that looks after the interests of the few. Just make sure the doctors coming in are conversant in Cantonese and English or whatever population they're serving and let them in. That comes from uh, Jonathan. Dr. Fang? Well, I would reiterate the door has been wide open to these doctors so long as they can find employment in the hospital authority. The department but, the, but they've had to do that the exam. They've had to do that exam, which has a very... No examination is required whatsoever all these years for all these graduates no examination whatsoever sorry for graduates of overseas absolutely no examination is required for people who want to come to work in public institutions here where there is a shortage of doctors i thought they had to take their license no not at all there is the limited registration scheme where you can renew your registration to practice in the hospital authority or any other public institution every three years. And some of our best-known medical doctors and medical leaders, they are still under the scheme. Gabriel Leung, Dean of the Faculty of Medicine, University of Hong Kong, is under the scheme. Okay, and how, how many places is that? Is that for the very, very top? Kind well, of, of 125 such people, only 125, more than 100, are... Uh, employed by the two universities and the hospital authority has failed to attract them so improve those conditions in the hospital authority and you will get some of the top people to come at least the qualified medical specialists that we want dr L i mean sorry alex lamb what about extending yeah. that well, uh, I, I totally agree with uh, what uh, Dr. Fang has said. Uh, in fact, uh, we have a same system here, uh, in Hong Kong, current system, uh, implemented in Hong Kong under the limited registration if they work in the public institution. But um, I have to say that it's quite um, uh, ridiculous that under the scheme, most, most um, Hong Kong uh, overseas doctors or mainland doctors will work under the scheme not in the hospitals, but uh, in the two universities and a few in the Department of Health institutions. So we talk about attracting people to, to come to Hong Kong and work in Hong Kong. We're talking about the uh, hospital authority, but not the two universities, not medical schools. So um, uh, it, under the schemes, we already have this uh, system. Uh, I, I had um, uh, a doctor who um, uh, done a, a surgery on me two years ago. He, he has been practicing here for over a decade, and I, I suspect that he speaks uh, reasonably good uh, Cantonese. He's from India. He's a very good, experienced doctor working in the Chinese U, and he spent some time in the, the uh, public hospital, but not uh, all the time because he has his uh, teaching job. So under the scheme, if you want to work in the hospital, so that you can actually come and you don't have to do the examination and you still get your pay equal to the uh, Hong Kong residents. Yes, and there are... Now you have to uh, pay for your uh, children's education. 
also a couple other uh, professors working in Chinese university, Anthony Mock, Sheikh Arkumta, they're very well-known doctors, very well-respected. And, and also the dean of uh, Hong Kong U Medical School. <laughs> yes, indeed. He's from uh, Canada. He, I, I have been... He graduated from his, uh, McMaster. I have been renewing his uh, limited registration uh, application um, for a few times. Well, one, maybe. Oh, you're on the medical council, yes. Yes. So, 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 okay, you know. so, so what do you think then, uh, Alex Lam? Um, how, how do we make uh, um, you know, working for the hospital authority more attractive? Well, I think um, in the long run, uh, even though we have these new plans, we may be able to attract a few doctors coming from mainland or uh, overseas. I think in the long run, uh, we need to think about opening a third medical school uh, to um, uh, produce more graduates. To build up the, uh, the, the, um, the um, number of doctors, uh, mm-hmm. locally trained, uh, speak the local language, that will help. Well, I think uh, in the long run, we have to address the situation of public-private imbalance and solve the sustainability of healthcare financing once and for all. Okay. Uh, Just a couple more comments to uh, finish off. James in an email says, The latent racism remains. Uh, I've experienced excellence at public hospitals and outpatient clinics, sometimes with specialists, for example, in trauma care. I find the language defence to restrict increasing the number of medical professionals to work in a so-called international city ridiculous. As we know, many talented young Hong Kongers study medicine, but given recent developments, may opt to work elsewhere. What thoughts on medical tourism that places like Bangkok and Singapore have made a success? That's from uh, James. And uh, Guy says, uh, I'm a 50-plus year user of um, government uh, clinics and hospitals. I continue to applaud them. I'm concerned at believable reports that government doctors and nurses are understandably leaving Hong Kong. I'm concerned that replacements should be properly medically qualified and be fluent in either spoken English or Cantonese. I've never been to a private doctor, nor will I in future. Private doctors perhaps do no harm except to their patients' bank accounts. That's from Guy at Sistake. Well, anyway... Um, Dr. David Fang, thank you very much indeed for joining us, former president of the Medical Association. Thank you, Dr. Fang. And thank you to Alex Lam, chairman of uh, Hong Kong Patients' Voices. We want to turn finally to the, today to the issue of uh, barristers, uh, people uh, acting uh, in court, uh, and the uh, wigs that uh, they are uh, obliged to wear. Uh, one barrister has been uh, uh, urging changes, uh, Ezan Marwa, who joins us on the line now. Mr. Marwa, good morning to you. I'm very well, thank you. Yeah, t- tell us about the scope of the change. I mean, sorry, is this definitely going ahead now? Is this been approved? It, it is not only is going ahead; it has been approved. It is done and dusted. Okay, right. Okay, good. So, so explain the changes and why the need for the changes. Uh, well, uh, perhaps it's best if I start with the situation before last week. Before last week, if you were a, uh, a, a, a hopeful to become a barrister and you were required by your religion. For example, if you were a Muslim woman and you were and you considered that you were required to wear a hijab, or if you were a Sikh barrister and you wanted to wear your turban, you could not do so. You had to wear a uh, a wig. Um, if you wanted to receive special dispensation, you had to write personally to the Chief Justice and ask for a specific exception, and then you had to write to the Bar Council and ask for an exception for yourself. Now the trouble with this is that it uh, it made it, 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 the effect of it was that only two barristers have ever received such exceptions, and um, it, it gives off the impression.
impression, the image to the public that uh, the barrister's profession is only for those who, who are going to wear the wig and not for people who wear turbans or, uh, or hijabs. Yeah. So what has happened is the Bar Council has proposed to the Chief Justice, and the Chief Justice has accepted a general exemption for uh, religious head coverings which are modest in color and which do not obstruct the face. Um, it is going to, it is, as I say, going into place last week. So it means that in future, when uh, pupils and law students who wish to become barristers uh, wish to wear their religious head coverings, they need not ask for special permission. Mm. And how many barristers uh, are we talking about? Well, at the moment, uh, there's only one practicing Amritdar, that means uh, baptized Sikh, so someone who wears a turban. There are about five other, well, if I include myself, there are about five, six other Sikh barristers, but we, are all, uh, we all cut our hair, so we're not wearing turbans. Um, of course, this may result in some of us reconsidering our position. Um, I think it will be more likely to affect the Muslim population, which is much larger in Hong Kong. But really, this change is about the future. It's about encouraging the youth to see our profession as something which is inclusive and which they can succeed in. And it, it does not require them to make uh, very difficult decisions about complying with their religious obligations uh, and their careers. My, my impression was, you can correct me now, was that actually um, South Asians were quite well represented in the legal uh, profession in, in, in Hong Kong. There were quite a lot. Is that not true? Well, there, there are certainly uh, many South Asians in the legal profession. Uh, whether or not we reflect the population, honestly, I haven't done the, uh, the statistical calculation. But it's certainly true that our profession does not reflect the general populace. You, you can look at the gender breakdown compared with, uh, with solicitors, or for that matter, if you look at the racial breakdown, there are some historical communities that are associated with the legal profession. Really, what, uh, what the current Bar Council and previous Bar Councils have wanted is they, they want to make the Bar more open and accessible to the public. We should be a profession which has the very best and that means you can't, uh, you, you can't put barriers in place that stop people who would otherwise be brilliant lawyers from having access to the profession. Uh, what are the wigs for? I, and, and where do you stand, basically, on the whole idea of the wigs? Uh, somehow I knew you were going to ask me this yep. question. Uh, honestly, um, I, I think it is a tradition that serves a, an important purpose. Uh, that doesn't mean to say uh, it couldn't stand for reform. Uh, personally, I, I'm, a, I'm a younger barrister, and most younger barristers are, are, are more keen on the wig, and most older barristers are tired of having to wear it. Um, but uh, frankly, I think if we're going to look at modernization, we should look elsewhere first. There are lots of ways in which legal professions in Hong Kong can uh, can improve, and changing this tradition, which which does serve an important role, uh, is perhaps something which should be put on the back burner. It's certainly, I mean, I mean, the the wigs are certainly a very visual uh, part of uh, of the legal profession, uh, um, and barristers and uh, judges and so on. I mean, um, are they uncomfortable to wear? I mean, they're made out of horsehair, right? Uh, that's right. But if you if you have yours made by a, a proper vendor, then normally uh, they'll have a lovely silk or um, or a bit of a cushion between the horsehair and your head. Uh, personally, I, I don't have any difficulty wearing it. Maybe it's because I'm losing my hair. I'm very keen on keeping the wig. Uh, of course, we only wear it in what we call open court. 
mm-hmm. that's when the judges are also wearing uh, wearing their wigs and gowns, which is uh, which is not all the court hearings. So, for example, I do a lot of family law cases in the family court, and all of those cases are done uh, not in open court, in, in what we call in-chambers hearings. So I actually uh, relatively rarely wear my wig. I mean, I do wear it because I, I also do cases in the high court where you have to wear it, but uh, I don't wear it that often, and when I do, um, I'm very proud of it. Mm. All right. is, is there a, can I ask, is there a kind of political element for this? Okay, we, we've got an email from from uh, Hugh, uh, who says, uh, on this is in relation to our earlier discussion about doctors, he says, on an important issue such as today's, would it be too much to ask for presenters to be less tone deaf and more aware of the current situa- situation and ramifications so the discussions could be more productive? Says Hugh, you're being a bit elusive there, there, Hugh. I'm not quite sure what you're what you're what you're trying to get at. Uh, maybe it's this. Uh, Alan in an email uh, says, "Back chat. Yes, wigs are no longer appropriate for Hong Kong judges, uh, especially the NSL cadres. It would be less confusing if they just wore green army caps with a red star. Then we wouldn't waste time on appeals to common law, natural justice, and other colonialist principles of law that have no place in the SAR." While Henry uh, on Facebook, and Henry incidentally has exactly that kind of headgear on his picture uh, on Facebook, says, I agree that barrister wigs should be removed or made voluntary. It's a colonial legacy. Legal practitioners in USA, which used to be a, a British colony, do not wear wigs and there is no problem. So why the fuss here in Hong Kong? Should not Hong Kong, a Chinese territory, has its independence over this wig costume? One country, two systems does not mean British legal costume uh, forever. Uh, is this a, is there, are there uh, political overtones uh, in this, Mr. Mawa? I can see from the public's perspective that almost inevitably people will look at it through a, legal, uh, through a political lens. But I have to urge people that legal professionals, especially the judges, we are technical specialists. We are, we are not agents of politics. And maintaining our current specialist uh, headwear and, uh, and, and robes, if that maintains our image, uh, even our image from the past, and it, and it demonstrates physically that we are maintaining our tradition of uh, upholding the rule of law as it has always been understood in Hong Kong, that is a reason to keep these traditions. Uh, I hope that it will help to show the, the general public that we are not cadres, we are, we are not uh, operators for any one political cause. What we do, uh, we do to preserve the law and the rule of law in Hong Kong. Um, I, I, I really think that, that is, in a sense, the, the absence of politics is the political question here. And, and that is why I think a, a lot of my colleagues would prefer to keep things as they are for now. Uh, mo- modernization should come, but should not come because of politics. It should come because of there is a need a need from the public to, to better serve them. And the need that, that the Bar Council has addressed with this change is, is a subtle change to in, in, improve inclusiveness and diversity in the legal professions. It is not driven by politics. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, in terms of that change, then, I mean, presumably that's going to be uh, pretty important to uh, uh, people practicing uh, religions like, like Sikhism. I mean, for instance, uh, uh, practicing Sikhs, as you mentioned, uh, uh, keep their hair long, um, which is why the, the, the turban is worn, right? So, that's so, so I mean, so w- w- would you expect in future to see more 
You know, more Sikhs in court wearing turbans rather than wigs? Yes, I, I, I certainly hope so. Um, it, uh, this is a community with which I'm associated, but I would also like to see uh, more Muslims. Uh, there's a very large, sizable minority uh, of Muslim, Muslims in Hong Kong, and, and they should be better represented at, at the bar. They should be better represented in the, in the law society. This is how people will have their voices heard and will have their, their uh, cases properly heard, when they have people from their communities understanding their issues bringing them forward. Uh, we, we have a general problem of, uh, of access to justice in Hong Kong, and it's something that can always be improved. And when you improve access to justice, you improve the rule of law. And uh, opening up the legal professions is just part of that. And would you now expect that perhaps more students might uh, think about taking up the law uh, as a profession, um, you know, if they are allowed to wear their own head coverings? Yeah, that is certainly my hope, and... Uh, I know that the, the Bar Council is very keen to, to, to use this as an opportunity to, to uh, demonstrate to diverse communities that the Bar is open. And I'm going to be doing my part. I, I know my colleagues and friends will also be doing their best to use this as a, as a teaching moment for, for students. Mm. What, what do they do in other places? Other, because the wigs are still worn in a number of um, uh, Commonwealth countries, is that right? That, that's correct. Um, I have to say, this is a change that we are pretty much following lockstep what they've done in England and several other countries. I think they also do the same thing in Ireland now. Uh, and I believe in Singapore, they've made this same uh, general exemption for religious head covering. So we're not doing anything new. This isn't an, an innovation. Uh, it's just something that uh, is a long time coming, and it's, it's really to send a message to the general public. Is there much appetite among barristers? Do they like the wigs, or would they rather get rid of them in general, do you think? I think at the moment we're keen to keep them. Uh, but I know there's a, there, there is a genuine debate, and as I said, uh, I'm, I'm not wedded to the, to the wigs forever. I don't think we are, any of us are. It's just that these changes should be made carefully, and they should be made in, in a timely fashion. Okay, well, uh, Asan Marwa, thank you very much indeed thank for you. joining us. Uh, barrister, mediator at Resolution Chambers. Thank you very much indeed. That's it from us, leaving you with the latest weather information. It's going to be hot today with sunny periods and a few showers around. Maximum temperature today getting up to about 32 degrees in the urban areas, a little bit warmer in the new territories. Uh, the outlook very hot tomorrow, apart from isolated showers. More showers expected over the weekend. 29 Celsius at the moment and the relative humidity is now at 81%. If your child was born on or before December 31st, 2016 and is to enter Primary 1 in a government or aided primary school in September next year, you should obtain the Primary 1 application form from the kindergarten or kindergarten-come-child-care center your child is attending, the Education Bureau or a district office, or download it from Education Bureau website, edb.gov.hk, from September 2nd to 27th this year. 931, the news with Vicky Wong. DAB lawmaker Holden Chow says he believes the government's electronic voucher scheme is still the best way to distribute money, despite the difficulties faced by some elderly people in, in applying for the e-handout. The U.S. State Department says it's evacuated 123,000 people from Afghanistan since mid-August. They include 6,000 U.S. citizens, as well as thousands of Afghans who were at risk because they or their relatives worked for U.S. forces. 
And President Biden has said a Texan law restricting access to abortion violates women's constitutional rights. Since 1973, abortion has been legal across the United States until the 24th week of pregnancy. I'll have more news at 10 o'clock. It's time right now on Radio 3 to say good morning to Phil Whelan and his guests on The Morning Brew. On your radio and live online, this is The Morning Brew. Good morning. Welcome to Thursday. Here on The Morning Brew, I'm Phil Whelan, through until one o'clock. Nice, easy one for you today. It's the day when our friendly Morning Brew vet, Dr David Gething, pops by. That'll be after 11. A few things up his sleeve and, of course, any questions you may want to ask him. Morning Brew at rthk.hk or find us on Facebook. Stick something up there. After 12, our monthly wine wine with Maestro JC Viennes, live from Verona in Italy. So join him on Facebook Live for some super early morning Italian views and all the best in vino know-how. Right now, it's 27 minutes to 10 o'clock. Safety suit and get around this. And if I 